Hello, everyone. Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, episode 51. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by Perry Aston. Perry, what's going on? What's up, everybody? Excited to get into this episode. We have a lot of stuff to cover. NBA playoffs are in full swing. We got third round coming up, but we want to talk a lot about what happened in the second round, too, and some repercussions from everything. Damian Lillard's game winner versus Kawhi Leonard's game winner, and series winners for both, and which shot was more impressive. We have a lot of coaching stuff to get to, obviously the Lakers and that whole fiasco. But before we get into all of that, I want to remind you guys, as always, to go ahead and follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped, Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston, and go ahead and follow our Unwrapped Sports page on Twitter at Unwrapped Sports. Speaking of Unwrapped Sports, go ahead and check out our website, unwrappedsports.com. We have a lot of great content coming out, a lot of articles partner podcast that yeah, we've it's been great we got about 15 partner podcasts now that are covering a range of individual nba and nfl teams we have a college pod on there we have a few general sports podcasts a brand new podcast we'll shout out right now the chain gang nfl tyler and david two of our contributors just put out their first episode so it's so great to see that with the network growing so fast so make sure to go check out the website at unwrap sports See our newsletter every single week. You can sign up for that with the little orange box on our homepage. Takes two seconds. Wrap up the entire week for you. Send it. Let you know what kind of news is going on. And thank you to our sponsor at Yamble Sports. Go download their app for iTunes or Android. You can start playing their playoff competitions right now for NBA. Winning real cash payouts every single half. Sometimes it's 20 bucks. Sometimes it's more, completely free. Let me repeat, completely free. Go win some money. Go download Yamble Sports. Seriously, you won't regret it. Even games you don't care about, you'll be constantly tuned in. Making Why not make takes on your phone while watching games, possibly make some money? Makes no sense to me if you're not. So definitely go download it when you get a chance. It's really cool. Yeah, and then you guys know where to find our podcast, podcast.com. You can also find it on Apple iTunes podcast app. If you're listening on the iTunes podcast app, please go ahead and give us a five-star review. It really helps us with everything that we're trying to get accomplished and just continue to grow our brand. Right. And yeah, let's get right into the playoffs. So West and Eastern Conference playoffs are set. In the West, it's going to be the Golden State Warriors versus the Portland Trailblazers. East is the Toronto Raptors versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Two great uh, matchups, first yeah, off. Yeah, I want to start with, what's the most surprising team in the conference? It's got to be the Blazers. Yeah. You expect, That's I think, given. the other three teams to be there. The Warriors, absolutely. In my opinion, all season, I've been saying the Bucks are going to be there. You know, that's been my number one team for the East. The Raptors, a team with Kawhi Leonard, clearly they're a great team that's going to make it far regardless of what we said about their coaching staff when they first made that change with Nick Nurse. He's really shown that he can lead a team with a deep playoff run, and the Raptors don't have to worry about the LeBron curse for them this year. And they, of course, have a different no, 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 they have the Giannis curse. Different guy at the helm, though, with Kawhi, who is just having an absolutely crazy NBA playoffs right now. we got to give that to him. But I'm excited to see the right now the Blazers have an opportunity to actually 
make some sort of mark in this series. Not that they'd win, but they have a chance with KD potentially being out game one and potentially being out game two. Yeah, he's out game one for sure. Right. If you see him out two games and you have Lillard playing at the level that he was playing against the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's a team that can steal a game or two and make this interesting. Not that I think they can upset the Warriors, but we've been saying this all along. If they were to lose this year, the Warriors, they'd be beating themselves rather with injury or suspension. And that just may be the KD injury and the fact that Steph Curry is been relatively cold all playoffs besides a few games where he's had to be the hero where he stepped up you got to give credit where it's due absolutely when he KD went down Steph stepped up and played lights out for the rest of the game was a big reason why they didn't lose that last game and especially whatever other games they haven't played with KD seems that when he goes down Steph steps up but other than that he's been pretty ice cold yeah after their win against the Rockets in game six I believe the Warriors are 27 and 1 now all time since they've had Kevin Durant in games where he hasn't played. So that's a crazy stat. Obviously, the Warriors are not a better team without Kevin Durant on the floor, as their record with and without him on the floor would indicate. But Curry stepped up in a huge way. He he started the first half, he had zero points. He ends up at the end of the game with, I believe he had 33 points in the second half. Right. Just him and Clay Thompson. And we're going to get into Clay Thompson's been a little disgruntled later on, but they work so well off of each other. And if Clay Thompson does leave the Warriors after this year, it's a big hit. Stephen Curry, just the way that people are going to think about him going forward, he's not going to be able to have these same kind of games because he's not going to have nearly as much space. And that's the thing that Steph Curry struggles with. But getting back to the Warriors and Blazers. I think we can both agree the Blazers are not winning the series. Yeah. Even if even if Kevin Durant misses the whole series, do you think the Blazers have a realistic chance? I think that out of any team to be facing them right now, they have the best chance with you think how they have a better chance than the Rockets. Yeah, with how they've been playing right now as a team. This is team basketball compared to Hero Ball for the Rockets and it's been very messy. So when the Rockets are on, they're on. When they're off, they're completely off. But the Blazers have been the biggest pleasant surprise. And it has been a long time coming. They haven't been successful when it come, when it really counts, especially the last few seasons. So to see them right now, they are the most motivated team with the Warriors that look like they're hobbling a bit. So I think they do have a chance. I'm not going to say they don't. But I've been saying it all season. You've been saying it all season. It's the Warriors finals to lose. It's their championship wrapped in a bow. And I think they're going to find a way to pull it off, especially with the stat that I have here, Golden State has won 27 of their last 28 games that KD has sat and Steph Curry has played. Curry averages almost 28 points in those games. So that goes exactly to the point that we just made about how he steps up, especially with Klay Thompson right there next to him when KD goes down. And the Warriors don't really skip a beat. 27 of their last 28 games when Steph's still in the lineup. So no, I don't think they're going to lose the series. But I think the Blazers have a lot of momentum, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them making this series a lot deeper than people think. I really think that if Kevin Durant misses this series, then I'll say the Warriors win in six, and I wouldn't be... But that's deeper than people originally thought. Even if it goes six, that's an interesting series. It's deeper than people originally thought because they were thinking the Warriors would have Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant is back for game two and he's healthy and there's no restrictions. You you think without Kevin Durant, a lot of the West teams this year, 
I would still give the Warriors that series in four or five games without Kevin Durant most of the time. With the Blazers right now, with the way that Kevin Durant, sorry, with the way Damian Lillard is shooting right now, and even though he's been on and off throughout this last round, CJ McCollum stepped up just fine at the end there. The team completely, I think that's a team that actually has a chance at a good time. Uh, just regardless of, so if Kevin Durant doesn't play, I think it'll be Warriors in six. I wouldn't be shocked if it takes the full seven. If Durant's back by game two, I think the Warriors are going to win game one, even without Kevin Durant. And I really think if Durant's back by game two, it's either a four or a five game series. And I, if I need to make a prediction, I'm saying Warriors sweep the Blazers. Blazers have had an incredible year, and I don't want to take anything away from them. What Damian Lillard has been able to do in these playoffs, and C.J. McCollum, the Blazers right. Blazers are not in the conference finals without C.J. McCollum. What he was able to do in Game 6 and 7. Absolutely. I know Damian Lillard struggled in Game 7. McCollum stepped up huge, and it just seemed like whenever the Blazers needed a basket, they just went to McCollum, and he got it for them. Yeah, completely. And we're going to move on to which game winner is better between Dame Lillard and Kawhi Leonard in a second. But before we do, let's talk about the raptors Buck series. Yeah. So you had the Warriors in six? If Durant let's does just, not play, it's Warriors in six. I'm if, going to assume Durant's he, out plays, for the first two games. Then I'll say Warriors in five. Okay, with him out the two games. If he's out just the first game, I'll I, say Warriors sweep. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm going to give it to them in six with KD out for two games. I really think he is. Now we'll move on to the raptors Bucks. Who do you think is going to take this series with how Giannis and that well-oiled machine of a team is playing right now against the hot hand of Kawhi Leonard because the Raptors do look good and got extremely lucky with that bounce. That fucking game winner, man. That game winner, it reminded me of something you would see in a movie where... It just hangs around the rim, and that's it the took ten minutes. The crowd just, it took it ten minutes. It seemed like it was man. on the rim for so long. It took long. ten minutes. I took a ten minute break at work <laughs> while watching it. That's exactly how it felt. But who are you going to take in this series? This so in the second round, of the series that I was really excited for was the Sixers and Raptors because I thought that that was going to be just two evenly matched teams, which it was. and it was. And this one between the Bucks and Raptors, I am so excited for it because. I know the Bucks ended up with the best record in the NBA, and the Raptors had the second best record in the NBA. But also, Kawhi Leonard missed, I think it was around 15, 17 games, and the majority of them were just because he was resting. Load management is so what if, they call it. If Kawhi Leonard had played in all of those games, maybe the Raptors end up with a better record than the Bucks. And these are two really good teams. This is a game, or a series, I think is going to go seven. It's going to be fun to see we're going to see Giannis and Kawhi guarding each other at times but for the most part it's going to be Pascal Siakam is going to be guarding uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and then Kawhi I'm sure Giannis will match up on him sometimes but to be honest I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of Ibaka mixed in there too when Ibaka with Middleton and with Giannis the two of them switching off because Ibaka is quicker than a lot of people think he can definitely guard on the perimeter but you're talking about Ibaka guarding Giannis guarding Giannis or Chris Middleton regardless he can move with them I really do think Ibaka is one of the better defenders still in the NBA well Siakam and Siakam too yeah I mean Siakam could it's Siakam's height. Siakam really? could play against Chris Middleton. I don't think he'd have any problem with that, but Siakam's a very good defender. I like Kawhi- Siakam more against Chris Middleton than I like him against Giannis, to be 100% honest. 
That's where I'd like to see Ibaka Siakam, take Siakam is longer than Kawhi Leonard, and I think that the way that... Obviously, Kawhi Leonard would be able to give Giannis fits too, but Giannis relies so much on interior scoring where Kawhi Strength, Leonard is yeah. able to wreak havoc on the perimeter. He's a good post defender too, but Giannis is bigger and stronger than Kawhi Leonard. He's bigger and stronger than Pascal Siakam too, but... Body body wise, Giannis is longer, and I mean you more. do have Marcus All, who's going to be the perimeter, the, the sorry, rim the protector. rim protector that he's always been. So you're going to have his help behind you. I really do like how these two teams match up, and I agree with you. It's going to go seven games, and I do think the Bucks are going to pull this yeah, one off. I'm saying and Bucks move in on. seven too. I agree. The thing with Marcus All, so yes, he's going to be a rim protector, Serge Ibaka too. Sometimes the Raptors will have Ibaka at the five and Siakam at the four. But Marc Gasol, he's a very intelligent defender. That's how he won Defensive Player of the Year. It was not because he was putting up a ridiculous amount of steals and blocks every game. It's because he just knows how to read angles and read offenses and know where to position himself. But when Giannis is coming at you, you can good be, luck, you bro. can be wherever you good want. Good luck, is bro. Jumping over you. So when a Honda Civic comes at you, you just take it. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. That's about it. Mark Gasol is not the ideal rim protector that you would want going up against Giannis. Yeah, I agree. I'm just saying they are going to have a yeah. help behind, and especially with the way that the Bucks can spread out the floor, yeah. you're going to need him holding it down there while they're going to have to be busy at the perimeter guarding these guys. Well, that's the thing too is that when Brooke Lopez is in the game with Giannis, that's interesting. Mark Gasol. It's almost like pick your poison because Brooke Lopez right, shot right. threes at, I believe, around a 35-36% clip, which, which isn't is insane. great. It's First off, he completely big, remodeled yeah. his game. Someone who made a living and is the top Nets scorer and pretty much everything in the Nets, but I don't remember him being a three-point shooter ever with the Nets. It was his, his, it last, right around his, last, year, his last year with the Nets, Kenny Atkinson convince Brooke Lopez to start trying to expand his game just so that he'd he be die. able Yeah, just so he'd be able to adapt to the new NBA. And he did his last year with the Nets. He started shooting threes. He shot them I think around 32, 33 percent. Yeah, I remember the Lakers. Last year, year with the Lakers he shot year. around 33%. But this year he's up to around 35, 36%. And he's the only player in the NBA that averages at least two blocks per game and two made threes per game. So Brooke Lopez, it's he. The good thing for Brooke Lopez is that while Marc Gasol can space the floor as well, Marc Gasol is not fleet of foot either. So Brooke Lopez can go out and guard him. But Brooke Lopez is a great interior defender, and he's right. going to be able to help the Bucks a lot on defense. The Bucks also, I believe, had the lowest opponent three point field goal percentage of any team in the NBA this year. Look, Kawhi Leonard's going to get his, and I think there's going to be a game or two where he just goes off and wills them to victory. But the Bucks, as a whole, even if you want to say Giannis and Kawhi are a wash against each other, even though I'd give a slight edge to Giannis. The Bucks team is much better. Yeah, the Bucks are a better Top to bottom, you know that. That's yeah. the team that is the only chance to beat the Warriors if any team does have a chance. We're going to move on to some crazy finishes. We already hinted at it before. Damian Lillard stepped back from about 40 feet. And dropped a dagger to move the Blazers onto the next round right in Paul George's face. A shot that he called a bad shot. Salty as hell. But not to know, two weeks later, a shot that we were debating as one of the most memorable or iconic game winners ever to happen. Another one happens that 
is just as good or pretty damn close to it if you want to debate on the other side of that. This ball from Kawhi Leonard as he takes the ball around the entire three-point perimeter to the corner where he fades away with probably the best defense you can put on as a defender from Joel Embiid with a hand straight up right in his grill, fading away into the crowd. Kawhi Leonard puts up a rainbow, Derek Fisher style, bounces twice, I believe, off the inside rim and twice off the outside rim and finally goes in 35 minutes later. Like we said before, you can hear a pin drop. That's how everyone was sitting there waiting. If you didn't see that picture of Kawhi Leonard just crouching down, watching while Joel Embiid and somebody else from the front yeah. row is looking as well. And then he actually shows emotion after it goes in. It was fun. Oh, my God. It was awesome. He was like, ah! You saw Kawhi. It was like a robot screaming. You don't expect it, but it happened, and it's insane. So we want to bring up right now because Leonard is the second player to ever clinch a series game winner buzzer beater besides Damian Lillard, who has done it twice. And this is the first time in NBA history that Kawhi Leonard finishes at Game 7. So a Game 7 winner, walk-off, first first time ever, and what a way to do it, too. Kawhi Leonard and Damian Lillard are the only two players in the last 20 years to have any game winners, or or it might have been series clinchers. I think that's what it was in NBA playoff history over the last 20 years. This is one of the best playoffs we've ever seen. Yeah, and it's crazy too because it they've, they've been poor. so excited. They've been so exciting, but at the same time, now we're in the third round, and the one seed and the two seed from the East are in it. The one seed from the three seed in, in the West are in it. And if it wasn't going to be the three seed, it was going to be the two seed because they went to a game seven, and right. it's it's played out pretty much how we thought. The only team, so I thought in the East, the Raptors and Bucks were going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. We obviously thought the Warriors were going to be in the Western Conference Finals. I did not think the Blazers would be in it. I actually thought that the I thought the Thunder and the Spurs were going to be in the semifinals and I was wrong on both fronts with that, but yeah, it's been a really exciting playoff so far. To get back to the question of whose game winner was are we saying whose game winner was the tougher shot or whose game winner was more memorable? What are we saying? Let's say both. I think tougher shot. I think I'm going to say Kawhi Leonard. He was running, just completely threw it up with a guy in his face. I think that's tougher because Dame Dame Lillard did that like it was spreading butter on toast on a Sunday morning. But it's so easy. It was a step back back to his right too because Lillard's a right-handed shooter. So, Right-handed shooters want to step back to their left. He stepped back to his right from 40 feet and just I get it. it. I get but, it. Yes, I. you know what? The tougher Difficulty shot, wise. I'll say you're shooting over a 7-foot 2 center. Running, to put, sprinting yeah. into a corner, fading into the crowd as you launch it above this massive man. And you yeah. somehow float it in. I'll Difficulty say, I'll say wise, it more difficult. But give it to him. Iconic. More, Iconic. I'm going with Dave Lillard with the step back 40 footer with the cold face that looked like a mixtape. Are you serious? Dave Lillard for the win. I completely agree with you. That was the thing that makes it more iconic for me. If Damian Lillard had tried to get up to the three point line and then just lost the ball and then had to go pick it up. I don't think it's as iconic, no, and maybe I give it to Kwilin. As soon as he gets across half court, he just stops and he knows right away. I'm shooting from and then 40 step feet. back. I do not need further. to get any closer. I'm good right here. Yeah. So cold hearted, 
It's going to be Dame all day for me. Difficulty-wise, we'll give it to Kawhi. Yeah. We asked you guys on Twitter just the overall better game-winning shot. So we did it in more of a general aspect. Kawhi Leonard won 58% over Dame Lillard, 42%. I'm giving, I'm giving better to Dame Lillard. Better? Yeah. I mean, I, that's because I voted. Uh, however you want to interpret better. Better. I voted Dame Lillard also. So I think we're on the same page. But 58 to 42, we put that pull up right after that Kawhi shot went down. What a great poll. I love you guys being so active. So thank you guys for that. So close. And Kawhi takes the crown from the unwrapped community as the better overall game-winning shot. But what a great playoffs it's been. Seriously, what a great playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's move, move on, on let's move to the on Lakers. To that... We're here in Los Angeles where the weather's getting better. But Unfortunately, the coaching the staff is not. and management has kind of stayed right where it is. But let me just, on these podcasts, I try my best to not cuss at all. You know it's more me. Yeah, Perry Perry is the one that needs to clean up his language a little bit. I'm a dirty boy. I'm just going to warn everyone for this little Lakers segment. There's probably going to be a little bit of cussing on my end. So let me just start off by saying Rob Palinka, Jeannie Buss, don't know why Kurt Rambis is in this too, but what the fuck are you doing? This is the most disgusted that I have ever been with the Lakers front office, with the Lakers organization as a whole. The Tyron Lou head coaching fiasco, to screw that up, they, they had such a bad process for this head coaching search to begin with, with being so narrow-minded to only interview a few head coaching candidates and not wanting to be creative with who they wanted to interview. The Jason Kidd, when Jason Kidd, when they were interviewing him for the head coaching position, at first it was reported that it was just as a favor for him. His agent is also an agent for one of the Lakers players. So it was just, okay, we'll do this favor for you. But, okay, they have Tyron Lue. It Everything looks like, you know what, they're going to end up getting Tyron Lue. And they only got to Tyron Lue because... Half of the front office wanted Monty Williams. Half of the front office wanted Tyron Lue. Because they couldn't decide, Monty Williams said, you know what, I'm taking the Phoenix Suns job. Okay, you know what, bad process. Somewhat was going to lead to a good result because Tyron Lue would have made sense for the Lakers. I know, Perry, you're not a huge fan of Tyron Lue. I'd probably be his least biggest fan. But I, Tyron Lue is not... An amazing coach, but he, he is a he good most coach. Definitely not. He is a good coach. He's an above average okay, coach he, at the very no, least. Okay, he is an average coach that had amazing talent with him on his roster. He is Luke Walton, who had the roster that he had. That is exactly what he is. He would be a floating around 500 coach at best if you gave him a pretty good team. That's plain and simple. You load him up with LeBron and some of the other players that they had at some point in their at that point in their career. Kyrie and all the draft picks that they had, yes, they're going to win games, absolutely, because that's just how the cookie crumbles when you have a team that that's that talented. Steve Kerr, he's a very good coach. I don't know how great Steve Kerr is because he's always had so much talent. I'd love to see him take another job and repeat the same success and pretty much show that he's Phil Jackson. That would be the next move for him. So you only see greatness when it's happening with players that are great. So when you see a coach take over a roster after LeBron leaves, sticks around, tries to be quote-unquote not 
LeBron's coach. And it was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever watched. Rotation-wise, and this is something Corbin talks about all the time with Luke Walton, rotations, and it's something that I look at as well when I watch basketball. We look at it a little bit differently than just the naked eye, someone that just casually watches basketball. I'm watching the rotations. I'm watching the influence that the coach has on the game, on the flow of the team. And Ty Lue, to me, very few times have I been impressed. And the fact that he has health issues also is another red flag for me because the second stress got hard, he was having panic attacks. He was having issues with that, which was never an issue in his career. I did my research ever. Never, He never missed games for panic or anxiety or anything like that or in his coaching career. He's also a lot older. And then all of a sudden, but you're now facing LeBron and the Clowns where Look. they faced a little adversity and he missed... How look, many games? I'm not saying look, that you, that's the biggest reason, but if yeah. you want to look at health concerns for okay. players, look at it for coaches too. But look, you can say what you want about Tyron Lou, even if you don't think, even if you think he's just an average coach, he did. He was the head coach for a team that went to three straight finals with him at the helm. And again, you can okay. say that's LeBron, but you still need to be intelligent, especially the last year when Kyrie Irving left. That I know LeBron was on a I different level, but. Okay, so at the very least, though, with Tyron Liu, he had LeBron James's respect. And Jeannie Buss was very adamant. She wanted the Lakers to be a quote-unquote Buss-ran organization instead of a LeBron-ran organization. And that's what part of the hesitation was with hiring Tyron Liu. But, but uh, then but, they yeah, offer you him make a three-year deal, yeah, exactly. which is exactly and when LeBron's something, contract runs some, out? Something that I want to talk about really quickly that has not been talked about enough is the fact that Tyron Lue was still owed money from the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was owed, I believe it might have been $15 million or No, I think it was $10 million left on his contract. He signed a five-year extension in 2016 after they won the championship. So yeah, he'd have two years left at $10 million. He still owed that $10 million. It doesn't matter that he was fired last year after just seven games after LeBron left. He still owed that $10 million, but... If the Lakers had signed him as the head coach, the Cavaliers don't owe him that $10 million anymore. Now he's owed the Lakers contract instead. So if he goes from getting paid $10 million to not coach, not work, to now three years and it's $18 million, million. And, to work. He's, and he's getting paid in Los Angeles, in California, where wow, the income taxes are a lot higher, and the fact that Usually with head coaches, the reason why they sign five-year deals is because usually a coach going into at least the last year of his deal, he doesn't want to coach unless he knows he's going to get an extension past that year. That's what happened with the Lakers with Mike D'Antoni going into his last year. They agreed to walk away. Luke Walton agreed to walk away. Tyron Lue getting a three-year deal and the Lakers wanted Jason Kidd to be his assistant coach. It was essentially, here's a one-year deal, and yeah, you know what? Maybe you're going to get two years. That's not worth giving up the $10 million that you would have gotten from not working. And on top of that, we're going to get into the Cleveland Cavaliers hire of John Beeline in a little bit. They just gave him a five-year deal. He's coming from college. He's never coached one game in the NBA. Right. And Rob Palenka supposedly thought that the Lakers had all the leverage in this because Tyron Liu wasn't getting any offers from anywhere else. So it was essentially, well, we have the leverage because if he doesn't take this deal, he's not going to take a deal. He didn't need to take a deal. 
He has two years. He has two years left where he is getting paid like an NBA head coach, even if he isn't an active NBA head coach. He did not need to take a deal this year. Had and it. when the Lakers went in and disrespected them the way that they did, he it was easy for him to say, no, never mind, I'm good. And the thing that infuriates me so much, so Frank Vogel has been hired as the Lakers head coach. They made it official today. There were reports out Saturday that he was going to be the head coach. Frank Vogel was going to be Tyron Lue's lead assistant coach. And that would have worked very well. It means Tyron plan Lue, B is what Tyron Lue is a good offensive coach. He's not a good defensive coach. Frank Vogel is one of the best defensive coaches in the NBA. Right. But his offense is extremely limited. Right. If you had Frank Vogel as his lead assistant coach, where Frank Vogel would have been in charge of the defense, Tyron Lue would have been able to take over the offense... There was also reports that Tyron Lue was interested in trying to get Phil Handy from the Toronto Raptors, who's one of their assistants who's in charge of player development. He's regarded as maybe the best player development coach in the NBA. Tyron Lue was going to have a good coaching staff, but the Lakers wanted to make sure that he hired certain people that they wanted for his coaching staff, that's a bus including Jason Kidd. Yeah. And part of the Lakers' reasoning for that was Luke Walton had a very poor coaching staff around him, which he did. It was his college buddies, yeah. and they wanted to make sure it didn't happen again. If Tyron Lue's bringing in Frank Vogel to be his assistant, lead assistant, wants to hire Phil Handy from the Raptors, these are not his college buddies. These aren't even his coaches from his last stop in Cleveland. He's trying to bring in the best coaching staff around him to make sure that he does everything possible and the coaching staff does everything possible to make the Lakers a well-run organization, at least from a coaching standpoint. But instead, nope, you don't hire Tyron Lue. You hire Frank Vogel. And why? Because Frank Vogel is... One thing that really concerns me with Frank Vogel, he signed a three-year deal. What coach, when in coaching circles, it's just standard practice to give them a five-year deal. If a coach is willing to accept a three-year deal, you know he's not getting hired anywhere else, and he knows this is my only chance to be a head coach. Right. So that's what Frank Vogel did. Jason Kidd, he agreed, okay, sure, have Jason Kidd as my lead assistant. And Jason Kidd, let's talk about him for a second. Okay, so, let me start with it first. I sure. know Corbin's going to have his negative thoughts with Jason Kidd, but as a head coach, if he were to be hired initially right now, I wouldn't have been the most upset person, but I, I was. But I was not happy with the fact that that would have been one of our top choices. I was hoping that Monty Williams would have found his way to the helm. I actually really liked that possible hire, and if not, I wanted to see them go with a more established coach like Mark Jackson, who could actually change I the culture. Want I wanted. I'd take to Jackson go, over Kid. I wanted to go that route with more Mark Jackson. That was my ideal guy. So. To not get that and to now be in this position to where they've fumbled it so many times, I get the frustration from Laker fans. I'm frustrated as well. But with Jason Kidd, at the end of the day, regardless of if he's gunning for Vogel's head coaching position or regardless of his personal agenda, he does have a relationship with Lonzo Ball and LeBron James. And the thing is, I really do see a lot of similarities with Lonzo Ball to him. I do too. To where what? I really do think he'll be able to straighten out some of Lonzo's game and find a way to make him a better point guard. So if that's his project for the year, I'm happy with that because Lonzo's a guy that I really like to see the kind of development that I saw with Brandon Ingram last year, especially with Lonzo coming off the injury that he's has. So as an assistant coach, I'm happy 
that Jason Kidd is an assistant coach. As the head assistant coach, that's where it frustrates me because I'd like to see someone like, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name by any chance, Igor from the Suns, who is so, so offensive-minded, an offensive guru, they call him, to come in as the head assistant coach after just being a head coach with the Phoenix Suns and just getting the short end of the stick because they have a shit roster. So I would have loved to see him. That was my guy that I would love to see be the head assistant coach and then also help Lonzo Ball because he's a point guard whisperer and helped Luka Doncic along the way. So it blows my mind the fact that he wasn't even in talks with this organization or that he isn't – we don't have a shooting coach still. So that is still my main frustration. But the fact that Jason Kidd was hired as an assistant, it doesn't blow my top off the way it would have if he got hired as the head coach. Frank Vogel had some good years with the original team. With the Indiana Pacers. With the Pacers. But with the Magic, it was, I think, a similar situation to with the Suns last year where you kind of just got shit – Roster, and even though Steve Clifford, Steve Clifford took over this year and led the Magic to the playoffs with different different close, scenario, close to the same. They roster. have invested a lot into the draft, so I'm not going to yeah. discredit how what they've but, yeah, done with that. Team. Yeah, Frank Vogel when he was the head he coach had for the Pacers, years. he had I think for either two or three years he had like a top three defense. So with, with how Pacers. this all happened, I understand how pissed you are. But, no, but when it comes down thing- to it. He is a coach that has had some success. No, no, it's not. It's not. NBA. It's not even that Vogel is a bad coach. It's the way this whole process worked out. That's what Frank I'm talking Vogel, about. Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel's walking in knowing at the very best he's the Lakers. C. He's the Lakers' third option. Plan C. Yes, right. at the very best. And Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is going to be the Lakers' head coach. I think probably before the end of this season. As soon as Frank Vogel screws up in any fashion, Jason Kidd's going to be right there undermining him to the front office. And Jason Kidd, the reason why I'm so upset that he is the assistant coach, some of it is that he's just not that great of a coach. He was a coach for the Nets for one year. He went over to the Bucks. He was fired from the Bucks after two and a half years. And anytime a coach gets fired from two head coaching positions in such a short span... That should tell you something, but the biggest reason why I'm concerned or why I'm mad about Jason Kidd being the lead assistant or even on this assistant coaching staff, and you mentioned Jason Kidd having a relationship with Lonzo Ball. Apparently, from a report, Jason Kidd, quote, mentoring Lonzo Ball last year was one phone call. I don't know if that's true or not. That doesn't really play into... They're going to be working in close proximity. That doesn't play into my anger. Who runs the Lakers right now? Who's the owner? It's Jeannie Buss, right? Yes. A woman, powerful woman in sports. Yes. One of the very few. And I Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd, so I know that this was back in 2001, but he was arrested for domestic violence, domestic violence for beating the shit out of his wife. They filed for divorce in 07, and in the divorce papers, she alleged that he continued to beat her even after he was arrested in 01. And you know what? You might say that was a long time ago. He's a changed man. We've talked about it on every podcast. And I, hope, I hope he is. But it still happened. And if that was, if he had beaten someone that I knew, that I cared about, I wouldn't forgive him after this amount of time. And I don't want someone like that being one of the people who are leading the Lakers, their young players and influencing them with the decisions that they should make. He also had a DUI back in 2012. 
yes, I know that's not as bad as beating your wife, obviously. It's still something that it's not something I'm excited about. That's the biggest thing for me is that just how are the Lakers supposed to explain this? And I know that whenever Jason Kidd becomes the head coach, they're going to have some press release saying how he's so remorseful for his past and they're, he he's a completely different person. It just doesn't matter. It's sickening. The Lakers front office is sickening. Kurt Rambis is apparently in charge of he's the Lakers back. instead of over Rob Palenka. The Lakers could have hired a competent executive, could have gone after Bob Myers, Masai David Ujiri, Griffin. David Griffin, somebody. No, they decided, and they still have not even released anything saying Rob Palenka is going to be overseeing basketball operations, or even that Rob Palenka is staying as the GM. But apparently, Kurt Rambis, because Linda Rambis is Jeannie Buss's best friend, Linda Rambis is, her title is, I believe, director of or director of special projects, and yet she's involved in the hiring decisions for the head coach. So is Kurt Rambis, who is just right now an advisor for the Lakers, even though he's pretty much a shadow executive. It, is hiring a head coach a special project? I thought that was something that needs to be done. I just don't understand why <laughs> Kurt Rambis... Kurt Rambis is basically a proxy for Phil Jackson. There are reports that Phil Jackson, the Lakers talked to him before they made a hire on Frank Vogel, and he signed off on that. Jeannie Buss, because of her relationship with Phil Jackson in the past, and because of her relationship with her best friend, uh, Linda Rambis, she has Kurt Rambis as proxy to Phil Jackson, where he's basically Phil Jackson's puppet master. Kurt Rambis has a 295 winning percentage as a head coach in the NBA. He coached the Lakers in 1999 when they had Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Guess who led the Lakers in minutes per game in the playoffs that year? Who? Not Kobe, not Shaq. Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice is a, was a fine player. But when you have them and you lose to the Spurs in the playoffs, how stupid can you be? And he's still coaching Shaq and Kobe for a year. Has a winning percentage career of 295. He hasn't been in the NBA for the past four years, and the last time he was in the NBA was when Phil Jackson hired him to be an assistant for the New York Knicks because they had a past relationship together. Kurt Rambis was an awful assistant for the Knicks. He was an awful head coach before that for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and yet now he's running the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> how does he continue to fail upwards? Yeah. It's unbelievable yeah, how can. someone can be so bad at their job and they continue to keep moving up. Honestly, I have a manager at my work that is exactly that same way. It just keeps falling upwards and it blows my mind. But I hope you guys enjoyed Corbin's rant. And I could go on for so much longer. For the it's late. sickening. The... The protest thing that the Lakers, okay, that okay. the Lakers fans did. Okay, I know, okay. Perry, me, you, were, me, I know you weren't a big fan of this. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. The the protesting, I get it. You know, it's a Friday. You should be working, but you decide to go outside Staples Center and yell at nobody because they can't hear you. It was the three high school kids that were talking the way that they were on. When the guy was saying, he's like, my uncle had Kobe. My like yeah. my dad had Shaq, whatever it was, magic. I have LeBron. He hasn't brought me anything. I was like, he played a half a fucking season. He played a half a season under Luke Walton. No, he hasn't brought you anything because he signed a four-year contract and he hasn't even played 
half of it yet. And you're saying, what has he brought you? He's brought you nothing because there's nothing to be brought yet. So you need to take your ass back to high school and you need to not talk on behalf of the Lakers fans because it's fucking pathetic to talk that way. Even though Corbin is clearly upset. I get it. But seriously, no, but there, you don't know fanhood. You haven't seen yeah. what Lakers fans have been through. I, I understand ever since you started watching the Lakers, it's been the last six years where they haven't won. But we know greatness. We know what it's supposed to be like. We know the hurt. You don't sit there on camera and talk on behalf of the Lakers organization, make a fool of everyone and every fan that's a fan of the Lakers because you're outside Staples Center yelling like a fucking child. Look, that was just some of the people there. The I heard that there were more people who were there than what was televised. And most of the people there actually knew their stuff. It's just... Obviously, the ones that are going to be televised are the ridiculous fans oh, that man. are saying stupid made, things, have stupid so signs. Sad. But it was just poorly planned. Why you organize a protest for the next day and it's a Friday at noon. A lot of people had work. I honestly, if I could have, I probably would have been at that protest. And, and if I, I could have, I would have made before. fun of Corbin as well. So, But the point is, yeah, and it's just... Things it's just, need to change. Look, the Lakers... I have never been this upset at the Lakers, and they have done so many stupid things in the past, and they've been so bad for these past six years. This is the straw that broke the camel's back, at least for me. And that I didn't know that I could ever reach this point because they've been throwing just bales of hay at the camel's back and finally broke. This is it. Let's, let's move on before I end up just... Having an aneurysm, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to, we talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers hiring Michigan's John Beeline, who is someone that I would have liked for the Lakers to at least reach out to an interview, but they didn't. The Cleveland Cavaliers signed him to a five-year deal because that's what you do for new head coaches. John Beeline's 66 years old. He's never coached a game in the NBA before. He looks about 80, so good luck finishing your six years out. I'm surprised that he came over, and especially for the Cleveland Cavaliers head coaching gig. It makes you wonder if maybe there's something going on at Michigan. Maybe they're going to get sanctions for something. I don't know. I didn't see him making this move at all, but... We'll see the the NBA draft lotteries tomorrow night. If the Cleveland Cavaliers win it. That instantly becomes a really, really good coaching gig. So we'll see. You have anything to add on that hiring? And the fact that the lottery is coming up makes this interesting. Yeah. He is now in charge of one of the hottest teams in the NBA for what you're supposed to be looking at. Zion Williamson may or may not be coming to the Cavaliers if he if the balls drop in yeah. their favor. I did a draft simulator today online. In my draft simulator, the Cavs won number one, and the Bulls were number two, with the Timberwolves coming all the way up mm. with not that big of a percentage, all the way to three, to snag probably R.J. Barrett right there, because I'm assuming John Morant will most likely go two, but it really depends on how the balls fall. The balls fall. That's going to be our next max tape. But for me, I really think this is an interesting hire that he doesn't have coaching experience, and it's very typical because they love doing that with guys like David Blatt. They bring in guys that have had success elsewhere, think they can translate, and we'll just see if it does. Plain and simple. So he's had a lot of success in college. He came up from high school. He just every I saw today was every single stop that he's made along the way. It was actually a pretty cool journey, but you could tell he's been at it for a really long time. He is an older head. So we'll see if he can adapt to the modern NBA. That's going to be my main 
kind of concern with the way that his yeah. style of play is. Pro basketball is much different than college basketball. Extremely different. And we're going to continue with coaching news. Brett Brown will return as the coach of the Sixers, even though Kawhi Leonard sent them packing with that heroic shot. And a lot of people thought when the ball continued to hit the rim, his job percentage yeah. continued to fall every time it, it hit till it finally went into where he was fired. I honestly thought they were going to use that as an excuse too, but what's next? Who are you going to hire besides him right now on the coaching market that would be a better coach than I Brett thought, Brown? I thought Tyron Lue would have made a lot of sense if Brett you Brown think so? was fired. I thought he it would, would have, have made been, sense. He would have been one of the top But candidates. would you have taken him There's, over how Brett, over Brett Brown, Brown has I'd, over this yeah, locker room? I'd rather, I'd rather want Tyron Lue. Brett Brown, there's been some concerns that he can't really command their locker room. Joel Embiid. He's seven foot two. He's the biggest player in the NBA, other than Boban Marjanovic, who's also on their team. But why is he out at the three point line constantly? Part of that's Joel Embiid's fault. But if you're Brett Brown, the head coach, you need to know better. You need to tell Embiid get down onto the low block, post up, go to work, because Joel Embiid can shoot threes all day. That's what the Raptors wanted. He shoots at like a thirty percent clip. The there's also a report that. The Sixers are going to be looking to make some big changes this offseason. One of the reports was that the Sixers are going to at least see if the Lakers would be interested in a Ben Simmons for LeBron James swap. Mm. That's something... I love LeBron James. I love him being on the Lakers. That gets my nipples hard. If the Lakers can't attract a free agent this offseason... I honestly wouldn't be completely opposed to trading a 34, almost 35-year-old LeBron James for right. a 22-year-old poor When you're man's looking for the future, I can see where that's, but you're going to have to hit some yeah. but I corners think, before you come to I don't, Los I, Angeles. I don't think that happens, though. I, I don't I'd either. give that a 0.0001% chance. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, it's still fun to we'll talk see. about. And the bigger story is to see what happens with yeah. Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris with the 76ers. If they run it back, they can find a way to do so. They're bringing the coach yeah. back, so we'll see what they do with the I team. think Butler's gone. Harris maybe stays. Yeah, we'll Depending see. On I think one of them stays. Thing. One of them stays. I don't know which one. Really, whoever gets a better market won't stay. We're going to move on to Clay Thompson, who's going to have a great market and is reportedly unhappy. He's, quote, tired of sitting around and getting the crumbs left behind, end quote. I think a place like the Dallas Mavericks makes a lot of sense. I said it long before. They have a really good nucleus there with Luca and with Chris Dapps Porzingis coming back healthy, which we'll talk about in a second, something going on with him as well. But I think Dallas with Mark Cuban, he's a big spender, and I think they're going to find a way to bring in a guy like Clay Thompson who'd be able to be a catch-and-shoot guy for them, add a lot of veteran presence, and a guy that's been there before. He can add the way the veteran leadership that Harrison Barnes brought the first time from the Warriors that would be this would be twice as great as that, especially with the impact he'd have on the floor. I think that is the most intriguing spot for Clay Thompson for me, and I think there's a zero percent chance he stays with the Warriors, in my opinion. No, I after think, these comments. Well, this wasn't his comments; it was a report. It wasn't him making these comments. So I still think Clay Thompson stays with the Warriors. I think Kevin Durant, I think, is leaving the Warriors, and as soon as he does, the Warriors are offering Clay Thompson a max deal and. Even if Clay Thompson is a little unhappy with some stuff right now, which I don't completely believe, I don't see Clay Thompson turning down a max deal from the Warriors because he can't get 
he can get a max deal from somewhere else, but it won't be as large of a max deal as what the Warriors could offer. Right. I can see where you're talking about. I think he's going to have a great market. I think KD's oh, out. Absolutely. I think KD's out no matter what. I think it just depends where KD's going to go. Clay Thompson's going to be the intriguing piece. I would love to see them just shovel out a ton of money to a guy that they'd bring in to replace and see how that works and see if they continue what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, things can get interesting. If a lot of people leave, they're going to have some money and it'd be really even interesting if, to see who even comes if, in to fit that. Even mold. if Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant leave, they might have some salary cap space, but it wouldn't even be enough for a max player. If Durant leaves, Warriors are still well over the salary cap if they keep Clay Thompson. All they will be able to pay for someone in Clay Thompson's place. And I have to double check if the Warriors are over. I'm pretty sure the Warriors would still be over the taxpayers, uh, the luxury tax, which means they'd only be able to offer a uh, taxpayers mid-level exception of around four and a half million per year. If they were under the luxury tax, they'd be able to offer a non-taxpayers exception of around nine million per year. That's what the Pelicans paid Julius Randle when they signed him. But regardless, either way, if they keep one of Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, they won't have much money to spend to recover from the other one leaving. And even if they both leave, they won't have too much cap space to pay someone else. Yeah, and just interesting to see how everything works out and if the Warriors could continue it past the season or if they could even finish it off this season. Something we predicted they're going to do, but they're going to have some trouble. If Katie's missing a few games, we're going to see what happens. Move on to Chris Dapsport-Zingas, who we just talked about when I brought up Clay Thompson potentially going to Dallas. If that were to happen, Kristaps Porzingis has got involved in a fight in Latvia, according to TMZ, with a group of Russians who are upset that he left the Knicks. Didn't he get traded? Yeah, it wasn't. This is the dumbest thing. The Knicks, the Knicks traded him so that they could clear enough cap space to have the chance to sign two max level players. This is so stupid. How do you beat up a guy for just getting sent off somewhere else? Like, how is this a thing? And how... Did Chris Dapsport Zingis? I want to see the other guys. That's honestly with a guy that big. And it depends how many guys, because it didn't say how many people he was involved with. But if it's two guys, I'm still taking Chris Dapsport Zingis over two normal sized guys any yeah. day. Yeah, definitely. I'd like to see that fight on tape. <laughs> Move on to Josh Jackson was arrested at Rolling Loud Music Festival in Miami Gardens. Jackson tried to enter the VIP area many times without a proper pass. And then as soon as the police handcuffed him, he ran away. And he got charged with escape and resisting arrest. How do you not have a VIP pass? Corbin, please pull up his contract while I continue to rent so you can (laughs) let me know how much money he makes per year. How do you not own the VIP section for Rolling Loud in Miami Gardens? Are you serious? You're making a ton of money for an NBA team and you buy a general admissions pass to a music festival? Did you you take a taxi? Like, what are you doing? Like, you should have a driver driving you because you're clearly taking drugs or drinking at this occasion if you're going unless you're a responsible adult like Corbin over here who doesn't partake in that crap. But you sit there at a music festival and try and sneak in, get arrested, and run away 
from a cop? How tall is he also? That's going to be the next thing that we look up. Uh, Josh Jackson's 6'8". 6'8", and you're going to run away from police? Like, you're a pretty big target, my yeah. man, regardless of how fast you are. So, Look, not Josh the smartest Jackson's, move. Josh Jackson made around $5 million last year. He made six, a little over $6 million in the year that just ended this year. Next year, he's supposed to make seven. The year after, almost $9 million. He's set. He's well off enough to where, yeah, he could pay for a VIP pass. And, Guys, Josh, and I, Josh just, Jackson, I just looked up how much a VIP pass costs to Rolling Loud. VIP starts at $349 plus fee. Was it worth it? Josh In reality, Jackson? I could afford that right now. Josh Jackson got arrested right while now. he was in Josh college, Jackson. too. That, that was for beating, I think, his ex-girlfriend. But oh, my. He's, yeah, he's he's had some issues with police in the past, and that was the biggest red flag for him coming out of college, and clearly he's just not learning his lesson. That's crazy. So, Josh Jackson, you need to get your head out of your ass if you want an NBA career, because this is some child stuff that you're dealing with. That's all we have for you today. Episode 51 of NBA Unwrapped. Corbin and I here had a great time talking about the second round of the NBA playoffs, as well as the upcoming round, Warriors versus Blazers, Raptors versus Bucks. It's going to be two fantastic series, just like the last round. And for Dame Lillard and Kawhi Leonard, hats off to you guys for those game winners. Ice cold, and as an NBA fan, that is Oh my God, the most exciting basketball I've watched in a very long time. Want to thank you guys for that. Lakers, hear our rant at Corbin. He's super pissed. So I'm just gonna, not going to bring that one up again. I, I could do a whole podcast on just... Maybe out. we do. We'll see how the rest of the coaching staff turns out. Maybe we do an end of the offseason after the draft and see... How happy we are with the Lakers. Oh, and see how much more they screw yeah, up because they will. We actually have a guest that's going to be coming on soon that's a Laker fan, so that may be a good episode. And be for Brady, session. Brady Klopfer, one of the guys we've had as a guest on our show before, he just got shouted out from Bleach Report today, dropping the WNBA trade that just happened today. So shout out to him. He's going to be coming on as a guest also, hopefully before the championship. He covers the Warriors as well for SB Nation. So that'd be an exciting guest. Want to remind you guys before we sign off to listen to our podcast on podcast.com or the Apple iTunes podcast app. Make sure to leave us a review on there. We much appreciate it. Be on the lookout for all new platforms that we're going to be unveiling at Unwrapped Sports. Check out our website at unwrappedsports.com and our Twitter handle for this podcast at NBA Unwrapped. Mine at Perry Aston Corbin's at Corbin Unwrapped and our network page at Unwrap Sports. Thank you to all of our contributors that have been putting in all the work that they have, all the new partner podcasts that have joined lately, putting out amazing content. Make sure to follow our all of our pages, especially the Unwrap Sports page, and keep notifications on there for all the news for the network dropping and all the articles that we post. Shout out to our team for doing all the great work that they are, and shout out for sports for being as awesome as they are lately, and we're excited to continue here at Unwrap. Thank you so much to Gamble Sports as well, our network sponsor. Make sure to download their app, Apple or Android, and start winning some money with their NBA playoff competitions. Thank you guys so much, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you, guys.